Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. Hey everyone, this is Brian. This is Behind the Scenes with Brian, and today I am joined by a uh, fellow, I, I don't know if you're a dams engineer, a geotechnical engineer. Uh, Gavin, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, Brian. Good to be with you today. Yeah, I'm Gavin uh, Hunter. I'm a, actually probably a bit of both, a yeah. geotechnical engineer and a, uh, a geotechnical dam engineer. Yeah, yeah. I started okay. out as a geotechnical engineer. And uh, the last sort of 20 years has been largely as a geotechnical dam engineer. Okay. Okay. Good, good. And it, uh, I, I think we're finally coming out of the pandemic, although I know COVID is still an issue here and there. My son and his uh, fiance, who's now his wife, recently had COVID in New York City. Uh, but Hopefully it hasn't been negatively affecting you and your life and your projects and your your family too negatively. Now we manage to get through it. Melbourne uh, was um, pretty heavily locked down during COVID. You know, I think yeah. in Australia we were the longest yeah. city in lockdown, and uh, I think it was tough on the on kids. You know, my our son. Um, Missed a bit of years, was affected in year six and year seven. And I think mm. for them, it's, it's probably been the hardest, but we're sort of coming out of it now and they've pretty much lifted all um, all COVID restrictions now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. So, Gavin, tell us a little bit about yourself, your, your uh, background and your education. Uh, well, I'm from, from my accent, you probably tell Melbourne, I'm from, uh, Australia and I live in Melbourne, Victoria, and I've lived there most of my life. I have worked in other uh, states in in Australia, but um, not overseas. I've visited overseas a few times for projects, yeah, yeah. so that's where I come from. Um, in terms of background, I I um, did an undergraduate degree at Melbourne University uh, way back in the early eighties, nineteen eighty two. Uh, yep. I started and graduated in 80, 1986. Um, yeah, it makes yeah. us about the same vintage. Yeah, yeah. So I did a bachelor in civil engineering yeah. degree, and I went back and in nineteen ninety eight to do a PhD. Okay. Uh, in in again in geotechnical engineering, and I did that at the University New South Wales. So that's some of my education that was in geotechnical uh engineering as i said and it was on um my supervisor was emeritus professor robin fell who's a well-known yeah. uh, technical engineer yeah 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 i i had the pleasure of I, I think he was taking a sabbatical when i met him at the university of alberta in canada and i had the pleasure of uh sitting through a lecture that he gave really bright guy and very Practical, very pragmatic. Well, oh, very much so, and I, I um, think that he is very practical, and um, I think that was what attracted me to doing the PhD. Okay. Okay. 
Okay. So what was your career like after after you got out of college? Uh, after I yeah, after I graduated at university, I went. I worked for a small company. Uh, actually, worked in a in um, out of a house. In fact, it was, and I think there was uh, yeah. about four or five engineers, and it was MPA Williams and Associates uh, that are now um, a much larger company in ATC Australian Tailings Consultants mm. or ATC Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And for how long were you there? I worked there for five years and doing a lot of work on tailing stamps, but also um, other projects. Um, And I got a real good grounding there in in geotechnical engineering. Um, Being a small company, we did quite a bit of investigations. I did laboratory testing myself. So I think what I really got from that was just understanding soils and different Mm. soil types and different soil behaviours. And I think looking back to that, it really put me uh, in good stead as a a geotechnical engineer. Yeah, getting out in the field and getting to the lab is really important for the development of an engineer, especially early in their career. Yeah, I agree. And, And look, I think we... That gets a little bit missed these days. Um, and I know for myself, I found it, you know, very, very valuable. Yeah. Yeah. What about that? What what, what about after that? What happened uh, next? Yeah. Then I moved to a company called Douglas Partners, again, it's just an Australian uh, company, a geotechnical consulting yeah. practice. And they also did environmental engineering. And I worked there for probably seven years. Uh, worked in, this is when I moved to to New South Wales and worked out of uh, a place called uh, Singleton and Newcastle, a lot of mines in that area and a lot of tailing stands. And then I moved with, still with them, I moved down down to Sydney. And for a couple of years, I led a small office. So um, the first 12 years, I, I, you know, got a good, background in geotechnical engineering and had to go to some, worked on some, you know, decent projects, but also actually managed a small office. So I actually got to understand the importance of clients and client relationships, which was, which was really valuable. Yeah, very nice, very nice, very nice. So you're on your own now. Was there another stepping stone in between? Yeah, I I moved from um, Douglas Partners to do my PhD, uh, and that took about four and a half years. And then when I finished my PhD, I, I then worked for URS, which is I think had just been um, taken, which has taken over, which had just taken over Woodward Clyde by the time I started there in two thousand and three, and I effectively worked there till two thousand and twenty. Um, Acom took okay. URS okay. over in the, you know yeah yeah two thousand and sixteen seventeen. So- so what led you to pursue your PhD at that point in your career? Yeah, I was I was looking for something a bit more, you know. I mean, a lot of geotechnical engineering is empirically based, and I, I was really interested in learning more about fundamental geomechanics. And, um, yeah, I think I was sort of talking to the company then about working on bigger projects, and then... Um, I was partly doing a master's at the time and, and 
um, Robin Fell asked me if I would apply for this PhD research project. So I had a good look at that and I thought, oh, well, this is challenging. And uh, so I thought yeah. that um, that really sort of struck a chord with me and, and that's why I ended up pursuing that. Well, you know what, if you are singled out by a professor to pursue a PhD, that speaks pretty highly of you. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. I mean, Robin is, um, yeah, he's a very well-respected and extremely knowledgeable uh, um, person in his in his in his fields. That's for sure. And it was he was really um, as a supervisor, he was he was really terrific. Um, he he had a lot of foresight into where the research, what was the purpose of the research, and where it was headed. Uh, yeah. I know when I first started out. Um, in the PhD, it was oh, sort of got a, it was pretty overwhelming, you know, trying to catch up and get up to speed with. I'm, actually, my thesis was on the pre and post failure deformation behavior of landslides in soil slopes. So, quite a lengthy topic and pretty encompassing. So, yeah, um, yeah there's a lot to read and get your head around. But once I sort of got into the groove, it, it, um, yeah, it was, I really enjoyed it. And um, certainly thank Robin for um, you know just his support, uh, encouragement, and direction in doing it. I I remember um, seeing a cartoon that one yeah. of the other PhD colleagues had there, and it was um, uh, I can't remember who who it was by, but they, he, anyway, this person fired an arrow just indiscriminately and hit a tree. And then as you work mm -hmm. through the cartoon, he then goes and takes the target up and puts it where the uh, arrow lands. So there's a, <laughs> there's a bit of truth in that. Yeah. 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 I like funny. So you and I uh, launched out to be on our own at about the same time. What uh, led you to start your own company? Yeah, look, I was um, probably about 55-ish, and um, I'd, I'd really enjoyed working at um, URS and ACOM and worked on some great projects with some really good uh, people. Um, but, you know, I, I, you know, it was starting to wear on me. It was a lot of hard work and uh, I was working long hours and, of course, that takes you away from family. And, wow. um, and I was starting to do a little bit of review work and that's always difficult in doing that when you're in a large company because effectively it's only employing you. So I found that I was really in, in enjoying that. And um, so, look, I thought, oh, well, look, I'll give this a go. And next okay. thing you know, we're in lockdown with, I've resigned from ACOM and uh, we're in lockdown with COVID. But, look, it's all worked out pretty well. Yeah, good, good. So what, uh, what, what excites you to, what gets you up in the morning to say, I got to get this stuff going? What uh, What do you really like to work on? Uh, I like to, I think, sort of following on from, you know, the, the PhD work that I've done, I, I tend to yeah. get quite involved in projects. I like getting into the detail. And mm -hmm. uh, so that, that excites me. And, you know, understanding, particularly with dams, how they're, yeah. Behaving, I, I really find that um, interesting. 
Um, so that sort of that gets me going and, you know, um, challenges as well, you know, I think throughout yeah. really sort of push you to, um, you know, be your best, I think. Um, so I, I, I really enjoy projects that um, are challenging. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. So do you have a, a, a favorite story or project that you worked on that you can tell us about? Yeah, probably, probably a couple of things. I, um, I probably the largest project I worked on was Hims uh, Dam back in, I think that started late 2006. Okay. And I was the yes. design lead for the embankment works. Um, I think that what I found with that project and probably the key learning I got out of it was just the just the working in teams and the importance of of uh, you know teamwork to deliver a um, project. It had a number of challenges and look certainly couldn't have um, resolved them on my own and and it was you know probably the leadership from Chris Dan, who was the design manager, he was really terrific at supporting the team. And then there was a very strong supporting cast. So Richard Davidson was an internal reviewer and probably yeah, Richard yeah. from yeah. URS. Yeah. So we had a really strong team. He actually sell Tadaro also from the US. Um, he came out and led the spillway, the spillway upgrade portion of that project so okay yeah so that was and it was some really challenging stuff we put a a cut off wall through the existing dam and into the foundation so that was mm. pretty challenging mm. um well. and we had bauer bauer came in they did that and they were really good to good to work with but i just think the overall was just working as a team with your colleagues and all you know focused on delivering the the project yeah so that was tell certainly a, a yeah. Tell us about a really intriguing challenge that you worked out at, on at some point in your career. Um, I I probably a couple of them. I've been doing some work on defamation behavior. I, a lot of what I actually studied when I did my PhD was on defamation behavior of, of dams. So my thesis was on by you know landslides, but a lot of yeah. The project sponsors were dam authorities. And so I spent a lot of time looking at behaviour of dams and I really have really enjoyed that. And so just some of the work we're doing recently is looking at the formation of extension strain and the potential for transverse cracking uh, due to yeah. cross-valley deformation in dams. Uh, so that's Okay. Yep, quite topical from, uh, you know, uh, looking at piping uh, through concentrated leak mechanisms. So that's that's been pretty important. And, you know, there's been some really good research in, in recent times in that area. Um, so this, and, this would be when you've got different geology and different compressibilities along the axis of the dam? That's correct, yeah. And so yeah. valley shape you know, step changes in the foundation, all these things yeah. influence, yeah. you know, a concentration of, of extension strain. And, of course, at some point when there is, you know, when the extension strains are relatively high, well, then you can lead to transverse 
fracking mechanisms uh, through the yeah. dam, which of course become a piping pathway. And you know, particularly for you know older dams that may not have filter protection or the filters may be a little bit deficient, then that becomes a real issue for from a from a um, from a failure modes perspective. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So lo longitudinal cracking is often not anything to worry about, but the transverse stuff for sure is, is is a different thing. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, really. You know, there is some pretty bad. So some dams have had some very large longitudinal cracks, but yeah, yeah certainly um, from um, potential failure modes and piping transverse cracking, or even hydraulic fracture in uh, in in areas of low uh, compressive stress uh, are certainly mechanisms yeah. of, of importance yeah. for piping in dams. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, are, are you keeping up on research these days? Well, yeah, I've been doing a bit of the, the work on, on that. So I had a, a student, uh, well, it's not a student really, he was doing his master's, Cameron Person. He, um, I had collected some case study data. He collected some more data. And we actually tried to put, we've actually putting a paper into the ANCOL conference coming up in Sydney this year. Okay. And uh, yeah, he did it as his master's topic. He had a um, one of his topics was to do a research project, and so I, he uh, did some really good work on this, and has helped to provide some guidance on sort of magnitudes of extension strains and factors contributing to it. So I think that's one area that's um, developing the knowledge. So this is you know a case study driven. Um, from this is driven from case studies, but there's also some really good research recently. Um, a guy also uh, working under Professor Robin Fell has done some work on um, crack propagation. Um, okay, yeah. You know, yeah, really useful stuff. So we're getting there. It'd be nice to get some more case study data. So still sort of working in that area. And um, I'm on the um, Embankment Dance Committee for iCold. And, uh, you know, if, if there's enough in this, we'll, we'll aim to put together a, uh, a bulletin. And it's mainly on defensive design um, and the importance of filters and, and this type of thing, but also with, a, with more of a focus on, um, you know, cross-valley cross deformation, transverse yeah, cracking. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, it's always good to come up with new bulletins from Mike Holt. They always have incredibly useful information. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there's some terrific people in the uh, within iCold and, um, you know, some really well-experienced dam engineers. It's great yeah. to meet those people and to have an opportunity yeah. to do some work with yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. So recently you and I took part in a risk analysis at a property in Australia and one of the requirements of the GISTM is uh, risk assessments like that. Are you seeing more risk assessment these days than you did previously? Yeah, in Australia, we've been doing risk assessments, I think for probably the last 20 years and it yeah, yeah. continues to develop. But I think we've, we've certainly probably pushed that along a bit and certainly, um, it's driven a lot from um, Robin Fell, Mark Foster, mm -hmm. you know, these sort of people, yeah. the piping 
toolbox from from 2008, a real sort of focuses towards inputs into the risk assessment process. So um, it is now pretty um, pretty established, and yeah. our new guideline um, is has just come out. In fact, um, it updates the 2003 guideline on risk oh, assessment. Okay. So oh, there's okay. now the 2022 update to that, which is really good. Good, yeah. In in my uh, world, I think that risk assessments are a little bit maybe underutilized. It sounds like that that's not so in Australia, but I think it's a really powerful tool. It can cost a lot of money because you really ought to have ten or fifteen or twenty people in in a room at the same time for a day or two or three days. Um, but it it can really change the direction of a project in drastic ways. Yeah, look, I agree. And look, you don't necessarily need to know everything either. And sometimes that's the the real, one of the key things is just challenging the project. You know, what are the real key risks here? Um, you know, I think it helps you take, or the client take a broader view uh, of the project as well. And, I, you know, you get a chance to ask some um just some pretty key questions. And uh, so I think it helps with the consultant being relatively insular to then start to, you know, potentially think a little bit more broadly uh, about the project and yeah. the risks risks that are, that are there. Mm. Yeah, and I think there's a huge advantage having a workshop. So some of the reports I've been looking at lately, uh, they have a section called risk assessment but it's really just a discussion that a consulting company had internally of risk. And it, it's not a bad thing to include, but it's not the same thing as getting 10 or 20 people in a room all with different backgrounds and areas of expertise and mm. biases and, and opinions too. But it, it really can be helpful to have that big crowd of people yeah, no, definitely. I mean, just the having the experience of, of you know, in, in the one room, you know, and focused on a specific project, it, it it just helps accelerate, you know, thought thought processes and you know, really highlight some of the potential issues that that uh, there may be associated with a project. So yeah. Do you see any do you have any feel for future trends in either dam engineering or, or tailings or anything in our venue, kind of, you know, what, what directions we might be heading in? Uh, not, not specifically. Um, I think certainly we, we start to see, you know, a lot more use of numerical analyses. Um, obviously it's a, you know, with power of computing and the yeah. and and just the the quality of the programs that are available now, but they've also always got to be taken with a degree of of you know a measure. Um, so I think things like that. I talked about the crack propagation analysis. That that's really oh, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah that's that's a really useful. Um, application of numerical analysis that that can help really understand issues with with um, with dams. So that's that's pretty useful. Yeah, 
Yeah, and just just speaking of models, there's a professor at the University of Alberta, uh, Ward Wilson. He likes to say that all models are wrong, but some yeah. models are useful. And and when he says they're wrong, he doesn't mean that they're absolutely utterly um, out in left field. He's he's just saying you know we can't know everything about something, so we set up a model and they have simplifying assumptions and so they're not all exactly precise but if you do it well it can be useful and some sometimes it's hard to tell uh whether there's enough in the model to be actually useful or not especially some of the in the earlier stages but it is encouraging to see advanced numer numerical modeling being used more and more with with some senior guidance they can they can be useful no look i agree 100 percent on on that uh brian and, and i think really probably is um something that's been a like a, a key learning for me is that you've really got to understand you know like talk about dam engineering but you've really got to understand the dam first there's no point in starting at a numerical analysis you really need to understand the dam and you know the, the the dam is we see it it we see its performance visually and we also see it through instrumentation you know piezometers right, right. you know deformation instruments that type of thing and it's you know the dam's trying to it's, it's important to try and understand how the dam's behaving and if there's some unusual yeah. behavior you know the dam's you know doing that for a reason so it's important to like yeah. say listen to it and and try and understand, you know, what's what's going on uh, with it. I think, you know, they're just fundamental, you know, stepping stones in 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 you know. I find him working on on dam projects. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, Gavin, we've covered a lot of material today. Is there anything you wanted to talk about that I haven't asked you about? Uh, look, not not not. Um, so I think we covered most areas, Brian. I um, think some of the things I'm interested in doing a little bit more of is um, part of my PhD research. I plotted a lot of deformation versus time and and this type of behaviour. I've I've learned a lot in the twenty years since then. So I'm, um, you know, if I can get enough information on dams that I studied, I'm, I'm interested in probably revisiting some of that and, and um, just just providing, you know, an update on performance and guidelines for evaluating, you know, what's expected yeah. behaviour and then sort yeah. of from that what's, yeah. what's unexpected yeah. or unusual or even abnormal behaviour. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And before we part ways, is there any key takeaways or, or pearls of wisdom you could lay on us? Well, as I sort of mentioned before, I think it's, you know, often dams are trying to tell us something. So it's important to listen and to try to understand. And I think that's just fundamental in, in you know, working on, on dams that, that, you, that, you, that you need to do that. <clears throat> um, and really just have an open mind. Um, I think that's really important. Put any prejudices you may have aside and just, 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 just try and understand what's going on. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's very wise. Good advice. 
Yeah, and really, training. I think working in my the most enjoyment, most the largest enjoyment I had is actually working on working in teams in um, you know delivering projects, and I um, it's really rewarding when you when you do that, you know, as a as a team. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's great, Gavin. I know you're a busy guy, so I don't want to keep you much longer. But I really appreciate you coming on and spend a little bit of time with us today and been really enjoyable and hopefully you and i can uh work on another project again one of these days soon uh it's, yeah thank you brian thank you for inviting me and it was uh great to cross paths um yeah. earlier this year and i yeah look forward to it um in the future yeah well thanks again gavin Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rockin'.